0: Are you guys ready for the word today? All right. Well, it's good to be with you, and I've come a very long way to bring you the word today. And we've been talking about legacy, okay? And before I get started, speaking of legacy, we have a new member in the house, baby Olivia, in the back there. Yeah, Amanda's back with us after recovering some. And uh, so we're congratulations again on the new baby. Um, the church is growing. Amen. Praise God. So, so all you uh, young couples, be careful out there. All right. Proverbs thirteen twenty two is where we're going to start here. Proverbs thirteen twenty two. It says, "A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous." And we've been talking about in this series. Uh, we've been talking about leaving a legacy. I'm thankful for Pastor Cheeto a couple weeks ago sharing on this same topic here. And uh, I want to jump in where I left off a few weeks ago just to give you a a quick review. Uh, As we've been talking about legacy, legacy means a thing that is passed down by a predecessor. It also means to bequest an endowment. Uh, It it means a birthright, a heritage, uh, something that is passed down. And so we've been talking about the importance of a legacy, what we're leaving behind, what we're passing down. And we started talking about a spiritual legacy, that there actually are three areas that we're going to talk about as far as your legacy as a human being, what you will leave behind. Number one was your spiritual legacy. That's why it's important to have a spiritual life. It means you should have a prayer life. You should have a word life. You should have a church life. You should have a ministry life. All these things are a part of your spirit being. A lot of people like to say they're spiritual but have no fruit. Listen, picking up crystals doesn't make you spiritual. Meditating doesn't make you spiritual. Okay, Jesus said, I am the door. What was he talking about? I'm the door to the new life, to the spirit life. Anybody that goes into the spirit life outside of Jesus is getting there illegally. And anything that's done illegally is done through demonic power. There's one way to be spiritual with God, and that is through Jesus. But when you become spiritual, Jesus said this, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, That's the love language of Jesus, do what I say. You know, Because anybody can mouth off, oh, I love God, I love Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, then do what I say. And part of doing what he says is is spending time with him. He talked about prayer when he walked the earth, the importance of prayer, uh, uh, reading his word. When you read the Bible, what you're basically doing is you're spending time with Jesus. Because the Bible in 1 John says, in the beginning was the word, the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. So anytime you crack open that book and you begin to read those words, you are literally spending time with Jesus and so it's important to have a word life and then after Jesus left he said I must go that the comforter must come and that the church would be built church is a part of living out your spirituality okay and that's why church is so challenging sometimes but what do a lot of weak people do when they're challenged they bolt okay church is going to challenge you There are going to be people in church that are hypocrites There are going to be people in church that are impure, that are going to be people in church that have sin. Get over it. Because you know what? You're probably one of them. Oh, praise God. Listen, we got to quit expecting church to be perfect. It's not. It was never designed to be perfect. That's like going to a hospital and expecting everybody to be whole. No, they're there because they're not. They're getting treatment. They're getting medicine. They're getting all these different things. Church is the same way. And so if you've been hurt by church, join the club. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. Smile at me, somebody. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Somebody said, Pastor's come back ornery. I don't know what happened to him over there. No, I mean, it's, it's just a part. We, we got to get down uh, these negative expectations that when something bad happens in church, that it wasn't supposed to. Any place you put a group of people, stuff is going to happen. Yeah. People are going to come in with attitudes. People are not going to act right. They're not going to behave. They're going to be imperfect. That's the way it is. See but that surprises people listen now that are that are used to going to churches where everybody pretends We're not that church Amen we're not that church because we don't need to pretend. We want to be real before God. But when you go to a church where everybody pretends, then they're shocked when something happens that isn't according to the plan or, or how, it, how they say it should be. And, oh, brother so-and-so did this and that, and then we do all this crazy stuff. Listen, this is not that church. We don't need to be that church because the blood of Jesus is what covers us. The blood of Jesus is what sanctifies us and qualifies us. And so uh, getting back to what I was saying earlier, the spiritual life has to have a church component in it because it's where we learn how to put up with one another. Can I get an amen on that? You know, I, I have these people that say, well, I serve God, but I don't believe in organized religion. You know, it's like, come on. You're choosing the easy way out. Now, you can serve God uh, without going to church, but listen to this. You just won't grow. You'll go to heaven, but you just won't grow, because church is the environment that we're to grow in, thrive in. It's like when you plant a a plant, you put it in a in a in a place in a in a pot, uh, you know. You put the soil in there, and that pot there is conducive for causing the plant to grow. Well, you take it out of that the wrong environment, and a plant doesn't grow. It's the same way with a Christian. So we've got Christians that, you know, love God, you know, they say they love God and 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 they they believe in him, but they won't get around church because they've been hurt and things like that. Listen, that's fine. You'll make it to heaven, but you'll make it there in spiritual diapers because you you won't grow. You won't grow outside of covenant and community. Come on, somebody smile at me. Amen. I got a little jet lag. Who knows what I'm going to say today? Amen. So that's the first thing is the spiritual legacy. And we have all these pictures here uh, as representing the legacy that we're leaving behind or the legacy that we're starting uh, because, you know, it's important that you understand your spiritual life is not just about you. It's about setting a precedent for your kids and their kids' kids. I can remember being a young man, maybe seven years old, going over to my grandparents' house and hearing my grandfather pray in, in his room. And I remember it because me and my cousins would we would just crack up laughing because he prayed in tongues. <laughs> and we would walk around the house imitating him. You know, son of a son of and we would just, you know, it was just a, a wild thing to us. But now that I'm older, I appreciate that I had a legacy of a praying grandfather that, you know, I'd go he'd take us to the park and we would go to fairy tale town and he would take his Bible. Or he would take his books, and he would sit on the bench and read the entire time while me and my cousins were running around the park and doing that. That's part of my legacy. That's part of what, what, why I'm on this journey is because when God got a hold of me, he put me back on that same path. So your spiritual legacy is very important. And don't get depressed if you didn't have one. You are the first one. You're going to start it for your kids. Can I get an amen? Amen. You're going to change the dichotomy of of being all about our families full of alcoholics, divorcees. No, you're going to change that for you and your kids. Can I get an amen? Amen. You got to believe that. Uh, And so uh, it can happen with you. So the second thing we've started to talk about is the legacy of family. Okay. And I started out with Psalms 82 verses four and five. You can put that on the screen there. It it talks about, in this verse, it says, "...deliver the poor and the needy, free them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness, and all the foundations of the earth are unstable." And what this verse is talking about here, I believe it applies to our topic today, which is the family, which is specifically speaking to the men. And why are we starting with the men? Because men are the foundation of the family, okay? And ladies, it's important that you learn about this as well, so that you, if you're single, you know what to look for in a man. Can I get an amen? Amen. If you have a man, you got to understand what he's created for and how to deal with him and also how to help him fulfill his purpose in that area there. So Psalms 82 puts it like this. when When we don't know and when we don't understand, we walk around in darkness. And when we walk around in darkness, we walk around and everything that we're doing is unstable. And what I've just described to you is families in our community okay, is that we have no understanding of what it means to be a man. We have no understanding of what it means to be a father. And so men are just walking around blindly in the dark. What does darkness speak of? Well, darkness speaks of two things in the Bible. Number one, darkness speaks of uh, ignorance. When you see the word ignorance in the, in the Bible, it's not just, I'm, I'm sorry, when you see the word darkness in the Bible, it's not just talking about when the lights go out. It's talking about ignorance. And so when when they walk about in ignorance, which means lack of knowledge, there's instability in the home. So this is why men must read. I didn't get no amens on that. I said this is why men must read. Amen. Amen. This is why men must come to church. Because we've got to always be learning, okay? Because if we're ignorant, everything's unstable. And what are we seeing in America right now? They're projecting that by 2020, uh, 50% of all children in America will be raised without a father. That's the projection right now. Okay, right now it's in the 40s somewhere. And that's not just African-American kids and Latino kids. That's going to be across the board, Caucasians, Asian, across the board. If you live in America, that is what it's looking like. I call that an unstable foundation in our families, okay? So if we're going to correct that, we've got to go back to God's word. And we start talking about purpose and understanding that purpose comes from the maker of the thing. And you can't know purpose without going to God. You don't go to the thing to find out what it's for. You go to the the person that created the thing. And who created man? Well, Genesis tells us that God created man. And so we must go back to his word to find out what our purpose is. Is this helping anybody so far? (laughs) So if we don't get this understanding, I don't care how nice you are, how cool you are, you have an unstable family, man, unless you understand what your purpose is, and that's what we've been talking about. So we looked up the word father in the Hebrew language, it comes from the word ab, and that word ab means two things, it means source, the first thing it means is source, that means the man that you marry should be somebody that can be a source. Come on, single ladies, amen? Amen. He needs to have a job. He needs to be sustainable. Can he be a source of, of good things for your life? Shouldn't be a source of pain, heartache. He shouldn't be somebody that you're supporting. Got no amens on that one too. Yeah, hitting close to home, I know. He should be somebody that can carry you. And help you. I'm not saying he has to make more money than you. Don't make it about monetary things. Because sometimes in today's, in today's uh, uh, day and age, you know, women can make more money than men. So it's not, don't make it about that. But I'm just talking about is he a source for you? Is he someone that can uh, hold you up? And that's the second word uh, for the word ab in the Hebrew language is sustainer. Somebody that can uphold and sustain you. Okay? So if you're a single woman, you need to be looking for a man that has a fatherhood ability to be a source and a sustainer, amen. Yes. Now, if you're married, look at that husband next to you and say, "Be a source and a sustainer." Got all quiet on me. They got some. <laughs> now, if you just, if you're a man and she said that to you, you shouldn't get mad. You should be a strong, amen. Because what we're doing is we're telling you who you are telling you what you are, what you can do. And sometimes the reason men aren't able to do what they're supposed to do is because they don't know that that's in them. Some men have been so beaten down, low self-esteem, lack of men in their lives, they want to do right, but they don't believe they can. And so that's where the word of God comes in and says, No, this is who you are. You are a source. You are a sustainer. And so we see all that. We spent time on that one, and you can get the uh, CD if you you missed out on that there. And so I want to jump in here today uh, going off of that, what we've talked about with Upholder and Sustainer, and understand that uh, we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 2. And verse 15 through 23 and we're going to continue to talk about the legacy of family and how important it is that men get in their role and here's the second part and that women allow them to get in their role okay so I, I got some jet lag on me. So if I say something that upsets you, just say, oh, he's, he, he's got some jet lag today. That's all, that's all it is. I'm going to ride that excuse for about a week, okay? So, um, but I, I'm not trying to upset anybody. And understand, you can do the wrong thing for so long, it becomes normal. Right? Amen? You could live the wrong way for so long, you think it's normal like that. You know, I've told you stories before. I used to, We used to think it was normal to give a dog an old bowl of menudo. for for dinner, amen, that's how Mexican dogs do, we give it some fideo right there, whatever we ate, the dog ate, you know, and now you got PetSmart, and they're like, you're going to kill your dog if you do that, you know, and and Mexican people, we laugh at PetSmart, what do they know, you know, give them some chile cuadrado right there for for dinner, you know, And, and you mess up your pet like that, but you can do that for wrong for so long, you think that's right? Until somebody comes along and says, no, 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 don't do that. You're going to give them worms. They're not going to live long. That's why Mexican dogs are all jacked up. (laughs) You know I'm not lying. Fur, chunks of fur off of it and stuff. So we need somebody to come and tell us the right way. Amen? Okay, so let's look at Genesis chapter 2, 15 through 23. It says this, and the Lord God took the man, "...put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, "...of every tree of the garden they may as freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air." And brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. That's a powerful thing. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Men, you have the ability to call something what it is, and it will be what you call it. So use your words wisely. This was, this was how Adam was created. Adam was created with a divine ability to speak, and things changed. So watch what you call your daughters. Watch what you call your sons. Watch what you call your wife. Watch what you call your life, because what you call a thing is what it will be. Are you catching this today? So that was Adam's ability there. Let's keep reading. Uh, and, and Adam called every living creature that was then named thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, all the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof and the rib, which the Lord God had taken from the man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, Woe, man, because she was taken out of man. Amen. Adam wakes up. He sees a naked woman right there. He says, whoa, man. Amen. And that's where women get their name. (laughs) And as you can see, thousands of years later, men are still saying, whoa, man, okay," Because a woman is a beautiful thing. And, uh, And you need to know that. Women, you don't need to fall under the feminist movement that says you need to be like a man. Ain't wrong. You be you. Be what you've been created to be. Women are beautiful. Women, are, women are, are wonderfully made in the image of God. And I've said this many times here before. Women were the answer to no problems in the world. When God created a perfect world, he looked and said, it's not good. What do you mean it's not good? It's perfect. It's the paradise. He said there's one problem, and he creates Eve To solve the only problem in a perfect world so it breaks my heart when i see women running from their femininity and embracing masculinity and trying to be more manly and like a man and the way they talk and 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 attitudes no no no. women you got to understand you're an answer you're valuable you're beautifully and wonderfully made embrace that and if you embrace it it gets better and better but if you run from it and try to be something you're not you'll be angry, you'll be upset, you'll be disgruntled, all that. And so embrace that femininity. But let's let's look further on here. It basically in this in this scripture here it talks us the original purpose of Adam and Eve. And the Bible tells us that Eve is taken out of Adam's side, not from the bottom of his foot, not from his head to rule over him, but from his side, okay? He's to be a comparable Listen now, he's to be a comparable helper to Adam. Now, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 8 through 12 in the New Testament says it like this. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Now, let me, let me explain what that means there. See, because some people would say, I ain't made for no, I don't need no man, blah, 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 you know, all that kind of angry woman stuff, amen? Don't, don't subscribe to being an angry woman, a Woman, amen? It's not a, not a good look, all right? It's just a lot of hell that you'll be putting people through, your kids included, amen? And so stay away from that kind of stuff. But what, what the New Testament is talking about here is that he, he's explaining to us Genesis, that Jesus was, uh, that God created first man. And out of man then came woman. And what he's saying is when woman was created, she was created for a purpose. And that purpose was to enhance and make better the life of the man she was connected to. we need to understand that men and women are connected and there's nothing better than when, when a man and a woman work together. Amen? Amen. There's nothing better than that. And yet we see so many men that don't want to hear it from their wives. So many men that wish their wives would just be quiet. But that was not how this thing was created for. Because God created the woman as a helper, as a voice to uphold. And you know what's very interesting? I'm going to blow your minds right now, but the women are going to love me in here. OK, the, what, what happens here, the same word for for helpmate and comforter is the same word to describe the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Yeah. So when a man doesn't want to hear from his woman, that's a problem. Yeah, thank you. Somebody, somebody catching this. That's a problem. Now I know, you know, oh, but in our culture, but the way I was raised, The way we're raised in our culture has to bow to God's word. Okay, this macho, machismo thing, listen, that's got to bow when it comes to God's word. Do you want a better life or do you just want to carry out the same old leg? Do you want to build a new legacy or do you want to repeat the old mistakes? So we've got to understand, yes, woman was made to enhance man, but man has to be open to the voice of the woman. Why? Because it's in the same vernacular that a woman was called to a was called to help Adam. The Holy Spirit comes to be our helpers. Right. And I'm not saying women are the Holy Spirit. Take that down a notch. Ladies, don't get Don't get don't get carried away. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm puffing you up, but don't don't get carried away now. You are not your husband's Holy Spirit. That's not what I'm saying. But it's the same. uh, uh words to describe your function in that way is to enhance and be a blessing. Now, how much do we count on the Holy Spirit? A whole lot. And the Bible says those are the two same ways that we describe a woman. And this is why, going back to why we started this, when you don't know the purpose of a thing, abuse is inevitable. And we've got men abusing their wives. Oh, I never touched my wife. You don't have to touch her to abuse her. You misuse her, and that's abuse. So when you don't let your wife have a voice in your, in your life, man, oh, this is going to help somebody or hurt somebody. I don't know, one of the two. And you don't allow your wife to have a voice into your life, that's a problem because you're not realizing her purpose, what she's created for. Amen? And if you, if you don't want her to have a voice or you don't think she's smart enough to speak into your situation, why the heck did you marry her? Amen. So single men be very selective. Do you want to hear that voice for the rest of your life? If the answer is no, kick rocks. Get out of that thing. Don't take it personal, baby, but I got to go. All right. Because you have to find the voice. You have to find the one you can walk with. And you have to allow the purpose of God to work in the family, okay? Because if you're going to have a great family legacy, men and women need to know that they're called to walk together. Now, we live in a society where people want to be married but do nothing together. There's people that are married that don't have the same bank accounts. I, I don't get that. People that are married that don't even take on the same names nowadays, I I, I don't get that. That's not that that, that's division. That's you need to be be one in every area of of your being. okay? individuality, it has to die in that sense. okay? Uh, you need to understand that. uh, I heard Pastor Charles Neiman preach on this recently, that the moment you say I do, uh, you become one and all of heaven is pushing you closer together. That's what God's, the will of God. Once you say, I do, the will of God is as you get closer and closer and closer. That's why some of the married couples feel pressure all the time because there's literally two giant hands pushing you together. Work it out. Ugh. And it feels like that sometimes, like we're just being smashed together. Well, she wants this and he wants that. But when you learn not to resist that and to find God in it and work things out, And you understand this, and I want you to write this down, you're not always going to get your way in marriage. That's a revelation. Because some women aren't used to not getting their way. Come on, little princess. (laughs) Princesa, come on, you're getting everything your way, you know. Hey, now you're married, all right? You got to share things. I don't, you don't always get what you want. Same way with the men. Well, I'm a man. I'm the head of my... Why do we always want to use that when it's to get stuff our way? Well, I'm the head of this home. I'm the head of this thing. We're going to talk about a little bit of that because that's the problem. And we've had kids, their legacy is a dominating dad to where they want nothing to do with the man because they've seen how he's abused the wife, abused mom. So we've got to correct a lot of stuff that you and I have grown up in. We've got to correct a lot of stuff that when you leave here, you're going to go right back to. You're going to see your neighbors, your aunts, your uncles, everybody, and you've got to have such a solid foundation in the word that you go, our family's going to be different. We're not going to have that. We're not going to get divorced. We're not going to have this and that, and that kind of a thing. And no matter what you've been through, you can change. If you've already been divorced, well, this next one or the one you're in now, you ain't repeating that mistake. Can I get an Amen. Amen. I mean, so there's, there's grace, there's covering, but you got to get information. So, so let's look at this again. So the, it says here that the woman is, comes from, uh, is created from man. But then I like what it goes on to say. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman. See, we work together. Neither the woman without the man in the Lord. Look what it says, for as the woman is of the man, even so is the man who also by the woman, but all things of God. So what God does to tie us together, the original woman was taken out of man. I mean, yeah, it was taken out of man. But from that point on, every man that's ever come to the earth, guess who he's had to pass through? A woman. So this thing works together. You don't have one that's better than the other. It specifically rolls. When, when God says the man is the head of the home, he's not saying man is better. Can I get a strong amen from the women? Amen. Don't say it with attitude, though. I heard somebody over, amen. <laughs> you do have to do that. Right, calm down. It's not saying that men are better. It's saying this is the role. This is the role. Okay? It's, a, it's like being on a baseball team, okay, or a softball team. There is a role. A pitcher has a role. He's on the mound throwing the ball every day. Does it make him better? Absolutely not. He plays a role, okay? He's not better than the second baseman or the first baseman. They all have a role to play. And in a relationship of marriage, that role, it's a role. It doesn't make you better or less. So when a woman understands that, she doesn't have to feel less than because she's submitting to her husband. I know there's a lot of women today that they they struggle with that in the marriage vows. Well, well, I got to submit. Come on now. It's a role. Get mature about this thing. And I think the, 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 the word submit in today's vernacular has a very negative connotation to it. And that's because we haven't really seen enough true men that can handle the role of a woman submitting to him. Amen? And I think, too, it's because a lot of women don't see many men that they would dare submit themselves to. And so we can't blame them for having a negative, wait a minute, i got to submit. Listen, when you understand those terms and those roles, it, it begins to sit a little better. It basically means that the responsibility is on the man. Okay? So, before, men, before you get all excited, I'm the head of this home. You better understand what that means. What that means is if that thing goes down, it's on you. <laughs> That's what it means means you're the head. The buck stops here, baby, you know. That means you are uh, responsible for the family, for the marriage. And in the same way that Adam came, uh, when, when, when Adam and Eve fell, the Bible says that Adam came into the garden, I mean, excuse me, that God came into the garden in the cool of the day and he looked for Adam. He didn't look for Eve. He looked for Adam. Say, Adam, where are you? Adam, what happened here? Now, God knew what happened. He knew Eve ate the fruit. He knew Eve gave it to him. But who was in charge? Not Eve. Adam. And so when it came down to fixing the problem, he didn't go to Eve because Eve was not the responsible party. She may have been the guilty party. But it's not about who's guilty. And hear this, man. It's not even about who's right and who's wrong. You're responsible. It's like if somebody comes into this church Okay, and I'm going to pick on Eddie Cobb right now. Uh, And Eddie's our head usher. Okay, and they come into this church and they have a bad experience with Eddie Cobb. And Eddie's like, instead of greeting them and saying, hey, come this way. Eddie says, like, what do you want? Why are you here? This church ain't for you. I know that would never happen. That's why I'm pointing out Eddie Cobb for that, because that would never happen. But if it did. Guess who's responsible for what he did to somebody in this church? Me. Now, am I guilty? No. Did I do anything? No. Who's the guilty one? Eddie Cobb. (laughs) Who's responsible one? Me. So guess, guess who it all falls on? Me. Guess who has to handle that problem? Me. Okay? Same way. So, you guys that are serving under an usher, I don't go to you when I hear about an usher problem. You know who I go to? Eddie Cobb. And if he tells me, oh, Pastor, that wasn't me, that was so and so. But you're responsible. Because you're the head usher. And it works that way on your job. So this is why some of you guys can never move up the ladder. Because you're not ready for that. Because you don't want to be blamed for stuff you don't do. And you know what? That's what leadership means. You take the blame for everything under you. So if you're a manager at your store, guess what? People are going to screw up and your boss is going to come to you and go, what's going on here? And you can't say, it was them boss says, well, what are you going to do about it, and why did you allow that to happen? See, we've got to understand those kinds of functions as well. Is this helping anybody today? Okay? So we've, we've got to learn. I want you to write this down. Laws govern everything. Laws govern everything. It's the law of sowing and reaping that governs what you get in your life. The law of humility, that governs what you receive in relationships. Okay? The law of serving, That governs how you advance in life. You want to be a boss someday? Serve. You want to advance in the kingdom? Serve. Those are all laws that we live by. But guess what? There are also laws that govern fatherhood. There are laws that govern maleness. There are laws that govern being a husband. Okay. And so we've got to begin to understand the roles and the functions. All right. And that's what we're doing. So here's the problem we have in 2016 today, though. And I I want to make sure I'm clear on this because I don't want to create problems in the home now that the man is learning about what his function is for. And you get all pumped up and leave church and you sit your wife down and you, okay, things going to change around here because Pastor Sergio, you know, he, he, he telling me this. And no, 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 don't do that. okay. It's going to take some things to change. Because why? Because because of your absence of leadership and the absence of men's leadership and community, uh, in community in, as a whole, women have had to take on certain roles. Okay? So here's where we got to begin to look at some things, women. You're not wrong in taking on those roles. You do what you have to do. But if you and your husband are going to now come into a place of understanding, you're going to have to take a step back. And I haven't met too many women that that's easy for. Okay? I haven't. I haven't. That's usually a hard thing when a woman has to now adjust her way of doing things. Why? Because women love security. And what's more secure than you being in control? So women like to be in control many times because that gives them a place of security. But as long as you're in control, women, you don't allow your husband to be in his rightful place. And remember what the Bible says. The whole foundations of the family is unstable. So before we start pointing at the men being like, get in your place, you need to, can he get in his place in your house? Or are you two holding to the position that you've had to play? Boy, this is good. This is better than you're letting on. If you catch this, you talk about changing a legacy, I'm going to make your marriage solid, we're going to make the foundation solid, and everything's going to change if you grasp this. But there's a process. And because we've had a lack of male leadership in the home, in the community, women have had to rise up and take those places. But here you are. You come to a great church like this. You're learning about the word of God. Now you're going to have a predicament. And the predicament is this. Do you love God's word enough to change and build your life around it? Or are you going to make excuses to keep living the way you're living? And then you're going to have the results that happen from not living according to to the word of God. So what this calls, it takes great humility for the man and the women and the woman to change and to communicate and to come to some better functioning roles. Now, this goes beyond just your family. This is how things are in society today. Women have been called upon to do things uh, because men have abdicated their roles And so now you marry this woman who has had to have been the quote-unquote man of the house, and now you make her your wife, and she has a real hard time listening to you. She has a real hard time letting you take her place. Well, before we just cast judgment and go, oh, she's a controlling woman, she's this, she's that, you need to take a walk down the path she's had to walk for the past 20 years. See, when I married my wife in the home she uh, grew up in, Uh, And and this is like this for a lot of immigrants. My wife was kind of the caretaker of the home to where because she spoke the best English, you know, her father being from Guatemala spoke some broken English. He speaks good. He speaks English, you know, uh, but because of him being there and not being secure, anything that went on in that house with a legal thing or a financial thing from the time she was very young, she handled it all. And, Miha, you know, can you call so-and-so? And anything that had to do with legal stuff, she had to handle that. And so she grows up playing this role in her family as the go-to person. That if there's a problem, they don't call mom, they don't call dad, they call big sister. Or they call... Tina, even the dad, if he's got an issue with his business, he'll call her. And if she don't have the answer, well, she'll research the problem and find an answer, okay? That's the role that she was forced to play, amen? Are you guys following me? Some of you in this room have had to play that same role for your moms and dads and different things like that. That's great. That's awesome. But then that can become a problem when you get married and God begins to say that is no longer your role. Your role now, he should be playing that role. And so in the beginning of our marriage, we had to make some changes. And I had to step up to the plate that in a lot of things I, I wasn't ready for. In my family, my mom handled everything, okay? She balanced the checkbook. She paid the bills. She did the mortgage. To this day, I think if you handed my dad a checkbook, he'd be like, Mio, what's this? I mean, it's just the way it was. I mean, if we went out, I I, I took my dad with me to uh, Asia this past fall, and it was an awesome experience. But we'd walk into a restaurant and say, Dad, what do you want? I don't know. Your mom orders for me all the time. (laughs) Didn't even order off a menu. You know what I mean? It's just the way it was, okay? So I come up in that. Mom does everything. She does the books. She finds the deals. We're buying a car. She's doing all that. And many of you from a Hispanic home, you're familiar with that. You understand that. But if I want to build a legacy built on God's word, I got to go to his word. And so we've had to deal with a lot of things and change that. And it took a lot of giving on my part and a lot of giving on her part. Why? Because we love the word. We love God. We want to build a stable family Uh, a home, and we want to do it on God's principles. So you know what has to happen? Here's the magic word. You got to change. You got to change. You got to love God so much that you're willing to change. It doesn't matter how many generations we were like that. We're going to change now, and we're going to do this God's way. And when you do, blessing comes into your life faster than anything else because obedience always brings blessing. It brings breakthrough. And some of you are hearing this on purpose because, listen, the the way your family is set up is not healthy. And that's why they're strained. That's why there's a lot of things. Now, granted, I'm not pointing fingers. You've had to do what you've had to do. Listen, I get it. This is how society has been. But what I'm trying to tell you is this, is even if society is like this, we've got to be willing to change. And so I remember coming, I think I told you this a couple weeks ago, I remember coming to the conclusion that I needed to step up, and my pastor challenging me, he said, who does, the, who does the finances in your home? And I was like, well, she does. Isn't that the way it is? He said, no. He started taking me through the word. He says, do you understand that, you know, the weights, you're a sustainer, you're one that's got to hold this thing up? And here was my excuse, yeah, but she's better with numbers. Now, that sounds logical, right? Except what that's really saying is I'm not willing to learn. I'm not willing to learn. Let her do it, you know. And so he challenged me, and I went with her. And like I said, women, you, you, you want, there's nothing more secure than when you're in control. What can be scary sometimes is when you let it go. And so we had to have a conversation. And I said, babe, this is what we need to do, and this is what I need to do. And, and you know, and, and she was like, are you kidding me? How is this going to happen? And so we went through the word and, and a little bit and talked to our pastors. And she's like, okay, you know, I'm willing. Here it is. I'm willing to submit to this. I'm willing to submit to this. And I was willing to learn. She was willing to submit. You know what we're both willing to do? Change. Because it wasn't like I was all happy. Yeah, I get to do the finances. It's so cool. I was like, dang. I had to learn. I had to step up, you know. And it's not like she was all happy, going, woo, this is so great. I can breathe again. Well, part of her might have been, but the other part was going, oh, my gosh. I hope we have money to pay the bills at the end of the." But we both submitted, we changed, and we're better people because of it. Today, we work together in those areas, okay? So I want to challenge you. Ladies, this is not just, oh, I'm glad my husband is hearing this, but will you abdicate some of the responsibilities to allow him to sit in his place? If you won't, you are only hurting yourself. Because what is more important, security or obedience to God? I'll tell you what's more important, obedience to God. Okay, and if you're going to have a stable foundation, there's something we have to build upon. Now, let me give you a couple more things and I'm done. Um, So it's hard for a man to rise to his place with a woman who's used to being the the say so. She's used to being the one that the problems go through. And so here's what will happen many times, too. Then that woman is married. She's got to change with that. Then she has kids. And now she's used to telling the family, the household, how things are going to be run. And she begins to do that without consulting her husband and leaves the husband, listen now, out of the parenting process because she has been in that control situation since she was seven, since she was eight. You know what breaks my heart more than anything in in hood neighborhoods and that kind of a thing is when we see young people have to be the parent. Breaks my heart that some of the ones that are, are you got an eight-year-old kid running through the house saying, Mom, Dad, don't fight. Really? Who's the adult in the family? Who's, whose role should that be? should be yours, not your kids. Kids laying awake, up at, up, up, laying up at night worried about Mom and Dad instead of Mom and Dad staying up at night worried about the kids. But I understand some of us were raised in that environment. So what I'm telling you is diametrically opposed to your entire world. But what I'm asking you to do right now is open your heart and your mind to the right way, even though you think the way you've been living has been working for you. I'm here to tell you this. It's not going to work forever because when you go into relationship with a man, he needs to be able, especially when he's learning how to function, he needs to have room to function in that. You don't get to be the only one that has the say-so over your kids. Why, why, why is that boy being raised with only your say-so? You better let that husband have a say. And that husband might want to lay some spankings down. Come on, somebody. I'm not talking about abuse, okay? There is a place that God has put and created that is perfect for spankings. It's got extra padding. <laughs> There's nothing there to break. Heels up fairly quickly. It's not the face. It's the butt. Some of you were grown up getting slapped by your mom and dad. That ain't proper. It's not proper. Okay? That's not what I'm talking about. But I have seen a generation of moms not let the dad get anywhere close to disciplining their kids. And you cannot be in that role, Moms. You're going to damage the very children that you love. You're going to damage them. But I get it. You've been used to being the say-so for so long. So I'm not pointing a a finger and saying you're you're a bad person. I'm simply saying you've got to change to God's word if you're married. Are you catching this today? Now, I'm trying to help some single people because single people, you ain't married yet. So you ain't had to jack nobody up yet. (laughs) So you could still work this, you know independent women thing out of you come on oh my ladies come on you might throw your hands up at man you know no no listen you could be independent when you're single but if you married that's out the window Beyonce okay that's gone okay so so I'm I'm trying to help you here so there's a lot of changing we have to be people that and, and can embrace change Okay, and let me tell you this, successful people embrace change. Poor people and people that never do anything significant, they don't like change. They want to sit on their front porch the rest of their lives. All they care about is having food on the table, clothes for the kids, and just a home. They don't want change, but I don't believe that's who you are. We want change, amen? We want our kids to go to college, Amen? 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 It's graduation season right now. I'm seeing everybody excited about their meals, graduating high school. Amen? You're seeing it too, right? But that's just high school. Oh, let me say that again. That's just high school. Who says it stops? Go to college. Go to trade school. Go to beauty school. Go to barber school. But go to some other school because if, in case you didn't notice, a high school diploma don't get you much nowadays. I know they're raising minimum wage. Don't be excited about that. You're made for more than minimum wage. I'm trying to help somebody in here today. Let me, let me, let me get out of here before I get you all in trouble here. I want to get you to get some good food. Okay, so you want, if you want a man to rise to his place, you've got to get out of it, ladies. Let me leave you with this thought here. There was a curse in Genesis chapter 3, verse 12, that I don't think many women are familiar with. And we've got to get familiar with this curse that was pronounced upon the sin nature, okay? So look at this curse in, in Genesis chapter 3.12. It's on the screen behind me. It says, then the man said, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman says, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you did this, you, have, you are cursed more than all cattle, the more than every beast of the field on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Listen to this now. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your heel, your head, and you shall bruise his heel. That's prophetic of Jesus coming later on. And look at this uh, verse now. To the woman, he says, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. So we now see, and anybody that's had a baby, you can thank Eve for that, amen, that it's excruciating pain to bring a baby into the earth. You know, that was not originally intended. That's part of the curse. But look at this next part here. And he says, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? you got to stop and ask yourself, well, what does that mean? Now, many theologians believe that that curse means one of two things. And I, to be honest with you, I, think it, I really think it means both. The first thing that that means is when it says it says your desire shall be for your husband, it means this: you shall desire your husband's place. You know what that means? It means uh, the curse uh, under the curse. Women desire the man's position. Yeah. Boy, if we're not seeing that in our society today, yeah. we did, they they, they w- want to be like him. I can do anything a man can do. Uh, I can do this. And listen you got to be careful of that. That's a fallen nature, ladies. It's desiring something that is not yours. You've got to learn to be at peace with who God has created you to be. Alan Iverson's not the answer. You're the answer. And all the men get that one. You're the answer. But why well, don't want to be the answer. I want to be him. That is a result of a fallen nature. So when a woman, a godly woman gets married, she's got to crucify that desire. She's got to see that that's the fallen nature. The fallen nature wants to be the head of the home. The fallen nature wants the man's position. But the born again renewed nature is fine playing the role that God gives her to play. So that's one result of the curse. The second thing that theologians debate about, they say that your desire shall be, it says there, uh, for your husband, they translate to mean that the desire of a woman will always be to have a man. And I believe that to be true too. Because I have seen good, godly women want a man so bad that they settle for a boy. A woman's got a college education, got a career, loves God, serves the Lord, wants a man so bad she'll take anybody that walks by. And it sounds horrible, but you know it and I know it. We've all seen it. And some of us in this room have settled like that. You should have waited. You should have waited till that brother pulled up his pants before you went out on a date with him. But you wanted a man so bad that you was just like, okay, Am I hitting too close to home? I'm trying to help somebody. Because you've got to be familiar with your fallen nature. Are you identifying more with your fallen nature or your born-again spirit? A fallen nature for a woman always desiring a man. That's why many women will settle for something that's not a man. Ain't got no job, ain't got no career, ain't got no vision, got no ambition, doesn't treat you good, hits you. What would allow a woman to be with a man that beats her this fallen condition? I want a man so bad that if he beats me, I'll stay with him. I want a man so bad that if he cheats on me, I'll stay with him. That's a fallen nature. Born again women, that ain't you. When you came to Jesus, that nature was crucified. It was divided from you. Now you have to learn your role in the kingdom and your role is single women, you don't want a man so bad that you'll take anything. As a born-again Christian woman, that desire needs to be put at the foot of the cross. You've got to have a standard. You've got to know that the kind of man that I'm created for has to be a sustainer and a source. Boy, I'm helping somebody. He's got to be a sustainer and a source. So dads, when your little baby girl brings a dude over the house, you've got a right to chase that fool away if he's not a sustainer or a source. And young lady, dry them tears. You you don't know him. (laughs) You're so mean. No, no, no. That's your father loving you. An understanding that in the Hebrew culture, when a woman got married, she, uh, they understood this. Now, catch this now. When a woman gets married, she gets married to somebody who is going to take her father's place. Yes. Now, that makes sense to some of us, but to some of us, that blows our minds. Why? Because we didn't have a father to begin with. So how do I marry somebody that takes the place of something I never had? This is a society we live in. Nobody knows their roles. Women are marrying guys that aren't dads, but they never had a dad, so they don't know what a dad looks like. So they think because he's male, then he fits the bill. No. See, people, we've got to change a bunch of stuff. We've got to change this whole thing. And, 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 you know, it starts in the home, and it starts with the men. Men, you are a reflection of what your, what your daughter should marry someday. Are you modeling that? Yeah, you yell at your wife. Do you want somebody to yell at your daughter? Oh no, ain't no nobody better to yell at my little princess. Then why do you yell at your wife? Would you want your daughter to bring someone home like you? I know I would. Shoot. <laughs> but all of us here can't say that. Let's just be honest. <laughs> we can't say that. Cut me on the keyboard here. People are getting antsy. I, 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 got more, I got more for you, but I want to just pray right now because the number one thing I feel in the atmosphere is this, guys. This is it. We've got to embrace change. There's a lot of change in every single marriage, in every single, single person here. We've got to learn our roles properly. Single people, you need to get this. If you ever plan to get married, young man, you've got to become a sustainer, and you've got to be a source. And I understand it might not be your fault. You didn't see that model. We all, some of us grew up in houses where mom did everything. No, we've got to change that dichotomy. We've got to change this whole thing. And so we need to embrace change. Let's stand up on our feet this morning. We live in a culture that calls up, down, down, up. We live in a culture that doesn't even know what it means to be right and good. We live in a culture that calls good evil and evil good. That's the that's the culture we live in. You live right and they criticize you. You live wrong, nobody sweats you. You come to church, they ask, why do you go to church so much? Nobody asked you how come you go to the bar so much. Nobody asked you how come you go on clubbing every weekend. They didn't ask that. Now that you're in church, what are you doing? You're weird. I'm weird because I'm living right? You're weird. Why don't you get a girlfriend? I'm weird because I'm choosing to hold until I'm married. So that's the culture we live in. And if you're going to have a, a blessed life and leave a legacy, we've got to get free from the, all that ideology. But here's the thing, guys. We've got to pray for change in our lives. We've got to embrace change. We've got to say, Lord, I want to learn how to be a man. I want to learn how to be a husband, a dad, We've got to first admit we don't know and put off of this this thing that we know everything. Man, we've got to lose that. You don't know everything. Get over it. I did a long time ago. I don't know everything. Be on a quest to learn. But if you're putting this front on like, I'm good, I'm straight, you're dumb. (laughs) You ain't good or straight. You're dumb. Okay? Because we have to have the ability to see that I'm not enough. I need God. I need His Word. I've said this so many times before. Uh, You know, we have, there's this thing in the world if you get counseling, something's wrong. No, if you get counseling, something's right, because everybody needs help. But we've got to do a lot of changing. So, Father, I just pray over every single person in this congregation today. We want to leave a lasting legacy of family, but we have to embrace change, personal change. Change our minds, change our hearts. Teach us our function as men, as fathers. Teach us our function as wives. Lord, let us embrace change to the degree that we're willing to do whatever we need to do to be more like you want us to be, more like you've created us to be. And anything you're asking of us, Lord, is because you want us to have a better life. John 10.10 tells us that, Lord. You came to give us a better life than we could ever dream. Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. Father, I just thank you right now. Speak to the marriages today, Lord. Let them have conversations. Let them talk about things, Lord, that need to be talked about. Let them see that the most glorious thing on the earth has been a man and a woman work together. Father, let us lay aside the things we want for what you want in our lives. Because what you want is always better for us, better for our kids. Lord, I pray that you bless every person with your word today, Lord God. And as we go, may we be challenged to be more like you. May we be challenged to get into the word, Father. I pray that nothing I said has put anybody in condemnation, only simply has challenged them to search God. Closer in the scriptures, Lord, for greater change. We give you all the glory and the honor. Before I let you go, I just keep your eyes closed, your heads bowed for a moment, just for the sake of privacy. Maybe you're here and you need to get your life right with God. Listen, I want to pray with you before you leave. Maybe it's time for you to finally give your life to Jesus in a personal relationship. You know about God, you know about Jesus, but you've never walked to an altar and said, Jesus, come into my life. Well, this is your Sunday. And there's nothing you got to be ashamed of. God says, if you acknowledge me before man, I'll acknowledge you before heaven. And maybe this is your Sunday. You say, man, I want to get things right with God. I want to start a relationship. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand right now. And I'll, I'll just slip up your hand if you're here. Yeah, I see that. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Praise God. And if you're raising your hand right now, and the people that are with you, I want you to just come right down to the front so Pastor Cheeto and I we can pray with you. Give them a good hand clap as they come. That's all right. Sometimes you gotta do it a few times. It's all right. Sometimes you gotta get back on track. It's all right. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. Let's pray this prayer, and then I'm gonna have Pastor Cheeto pray with her, and Pastor Norma come and pray with her. The Bible says this, that if we pray this and we believe it in our heart that the Lord comes and with the confession of our mouth, Jesus becomes the Lord of our life. But it's not the end. It's only the beginning. Amen. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I know that I need you. I ask that you come into my life. I want a relationship with you. I know that I haven't done everything right. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Jesus' name. Be the Lord of my life. Amen. Let's give God a good praise clap. Now, listen, we got a lot of things going on this month. It's going to be a busy month. Definitely be here June 23rd. That's coming up. But check for the announcements online. If you need prayer for anything else, my wife and I will be here for a little while. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday, and we will see you next week. School of Leaders, looking forward to being with you guys tonight. Amen. God bless.